You're listening to the Irish Times. It's a new day, Pat. It's a new day. It's a new Ireland. A new Ireland, at? yes. Yeah. And I'm feeling a lot of solidarity this morning. Who are you feeling solidarity with? I am feeling solidarity with uh, the Welsh uh, women rugby players. Uh, and in solidarity with them, I too did not have a shower this morning before <laughs> I came to work. I was thinking, all right. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Uh, we, uh, Gavin Kominsky is here to talk about the rugby, which we're going to talk about with him and Jerry in a while. But Gav, you wrote about the poor Welsh women this morning. Yes. Explain how it all happened. I did. We feel terrible. This is a positive because we're going to be talking about women's rugby for a minute here. Yes. Well, we probably wouldn't have gotten near it in the pod today, you know. Um, so fair play to Beck the Rangers and their uh, Storm Kira destroying their hot water <laughs> tank. Um, is that what happened? Yeah. That's this is, this is more a, more it, it mm. it's. It's more a balls up than a snub, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I've, as soon as it happened, as soon as the, uh, one of the Welsh players was interviewed on the pitch after a bitterly cold day, everyone saw the conditions, mm. and they go back to their changing room at the Beckdiv end, not the Wesley end. I'm sure the old Wesley were trying to get out because um, there was I actually... I don't know anything that you're talking about it here, is In, in Donnybrook, yes, the two clubs yes. are either end, and Ireland were in Wesley, and um, Wales were changing out of Beckdiv, which happens for all the, the schools matches there now. And you could see the steam rising out of the Wesley end. Oh, no. <laughs> and the, for whatever reason, the tank, everyone's apologised, hands up, huge mistake. Uh, but it was an international rugby match and there was no hot water in the shower. You can dress it up any way you like. It's just a bad read. Ironically enough, happened to Ireland just after they won the Grand Slam in 2013. The, the girls, Fiona Coughlin's team, got back to the showers. And Claire Malloy, Dr. Claire Malloy in particular, was almost suffering from hyperthermia. They had to get her back to the hotel really quickly. It was serious because the Italians had used all the hot water in this kind of shack of a little rugby club where a Grand Slam decider was played. But that was seven years ago. Yes. You know? And I was outside Milan in the middle of nowhere. This yeah. is... This is Energy of Park, Donnybrook. Um, these things are not supposed to happen for international rugby. Back the Rangers are getting a bit of hassle for it. Obviously, it was their shower, their club. But this is it's on the IRFU to make sure that they have the proper facilities for an elite female sporting event. That's the event, thing, though. It's, it's the optics of it that are, mm. are awful. Like with that 2013 incident is often held up and was held up as a catalyst for the time for saying the women deserve more respect than this. Yeah. Look, the, I, I was talking to the uh, IRFU spokesperson last night and I went, there's... Look, we'll, we'll play this kind of straight, but you're going to get, you're going to rightly get, get this get given to you for this. And eventually, don't worry. In about a week or so, it'll calm down, and everyone will realise that this Ireland team, after being terrible last year, are going for a triple crown, um, and that there is some great stories about Bavin Parsons again scoring another Brilliant wonderful try. try. Um, there's loads of stories in this team again, and they're playing well and they're well coached. But when it just gets put up, it's 2020 and the Welsh team go back for a shower, and it's the showers are cold. And then the, the worst thing was. And people were trying to solve the problems. They were going, you can walk up to the Wesley end. And the Welsh, understandably, said, no, we're not doing that. We're not marching the other end of the pitch to shower mm. after a test match. Yeah. They said they got changed with the cold water um, and then went to the aftermatch function. And I presume they got their flight out through the winds back home last night. Um, like it is, it's a pity, but oh, the good news is, and I did this a bit tongue-in-cheek when I was reporting it, was the shower's been fixed, so this, the boys' schoolboys match between Castlenock and Belvedere t- today. Quite right. We'll have hot Quite water. Right. Quite right. <laughs> yes, knock the table for that. You know? So, uh, Here, it's, I, it's a pity because we're, 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 we really should be talking about what's well, turned, what a, was, turned a big corner. That's and, what I was going to ask you. T- uh, tell us about them. Yeah, they, they won. Because they were, they were woeful last year. They were woeful last yeah. year. And they, they got and it looked to be like all the momentum from four or five years ago seemed to be petering out, petering out, petering out. As you 
predicted many times that it would, uh, but this is a better better iteration of them. Uh, Lindsay Pete made a stand last year and said, we are just not going to improve unless we get more time together, more training. I'd love mm. to talk to her now to find out how much time, mm. because there's been vast improvements under the coaching of Adam Griggs and a couple, and a couple of new coaches brought in, Keir Griffin's leadership, um, a bunch of new players. Like there's a, there's a couple of little kind of nugget stories here, of a couple of players coming back from sevens and... They are out in Abbottstown. They've been fine. They're given good exposure to the high performance facilities. And Scotland and Wales are not very good teams, but they were put away. Well, last week wasn't very good against Scotland. But this 31 12, it was a convincing win. Um, the back row played really well. Um, I thought Dana Scrum Half was excellent. There's, all, there's the building blocks for them to go and not get hammered by England, who are superb. Can mm. I just say, uh, Emily Scarrett and the England team are just. Another level again. They beat a brilliant French team a couple of weeks ago, so I think it's in Doncaster. Unfortunately, I think it clashes with the men's game, so um, it's going to be hard to mm. put, provide coverage. But again, I could keep. You could, they always they always drop the ball in some shape or form yes. when it comes to this. Like you could do this forever. I've got, right. You got to get a bit bored of it. After the rock a while. keeps being rolled up the hill but and rolled back down. Besides, <clears throat> besides a bit of a mess, a really mess and an, an embarrassing situation for the IRFU, which they've come out and completely apologised for. Um, it does bring a bit of focus on a women's team that's going in the right direction, finally. Uh, we will talk, uh, we're going to have Ian O'Riordan uh, in a while to talk about um, what happened in Tyrone yesterday, Tyrone and Kerry. Eden Dark. Eden Dark and the uh, curious situation of Cahill McShane, but we'll get stuck into the rugby. Jerry is here. How are you, Jerry? Good, thank you. Uh, I really enjoyed that game. On the weekend, yeah, that was one of the most enjoyable Ireland games, and not just because they won, but like as as a spectacle, as a game itself, it was really enjoyable. Fair, yeah, really good game, really yeah. really good game. Thankfully, um, Storm Kira didn't hit Lansdowne Road mm. the way it hit Murrayfield. No, exactly. Uh, yes. Other venues, At the sporting same venues yeah, around yeah, the weekend yeah. um, made a big difference. Wouldn't mm. have been such a good game then, but yeah, the, the weather held away, and um, Ireland went about it really entertainingly. You know, mm. they they went wide, wide, wide early on. I counted. 35 passes in the first 10 minutes, um, just just five by Wales. It was They went wide. They got their back three involved early on. Mm. The forwards only carried for 75 metres in the whole match. Quite extraordinary. Even man of the match, CJ Stander, was more known, more known his performance for his brilliant turnovers in the jackal. Got three, could, should have been four. Um, and his passing game, which we haven't seen so much of. There was some passing in the World Cup, but he really upped it. Um, good performances all around. Just a very intelligent, clever performance. If there was any downside to it, it was that they probably should have been further ahead at half time mm. and didn't translate some good attacking positions into more scores. But you know, Wales were a good team and threw a lot at Ireland. Um, and you know, that's a, that's the first time Wales have lost in two years in the Six Nations. They've been won, won eight mm. in a row, and they'd won I don't know twelve. The last thirteen com- competitive matches, World Cup semi-finals. So to put them away with a bonus point is absolutely job well done. And it was, you're right, it was a very entertaining game to watch. We can, in all sports and in all games, we can be guilty of recency bias. There was a, a, a bit of sort of doubt about Andy Farrell going around last week. Is it, is it too much now to kind of go, oh, sure, everything's okay now? Well, it was certainly too, a bit premature to have an awful lot of after one game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Remember they slaughtered George, or uh, Joe nearly said who yeah. it was. Remember they slaughtered Joe Schmidt uh, yeah. after like four games yeah. in Leinster. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It, yeah. Was, it was a bit quick to go for Farrell, but. Um, People have to, people have to get What he's out. done has been very interesting. He could have bought himself time by picking a lot of young players mm. and throwing the baby out with the bathwater, even though Ireland don't have the playing pool to hammer the metaphor too much to, to do that. But uh, he's didn't, he's, I mean, a lot, the, 
essentially that's the same core of the yeah. team that didn't that malfunction at the World Cup came up short big risk that, wasn't big, big risk and it's been rewarded <clears throat> like you see the form of CJ Stander and Peter Amani and Conor Murray lots of pe- pe- people who wanted them dropped Matt Williams said in Virgin Media that before the first game CJ Stander is lucky to be there you'd argue that Ireland are lucky to have CJ Stander Ronan really put him in them. his box though that was a good interchange did you <laughs> yeah. see the exchange between the two of them and then uh, Shane Horgan sided with O'Gara to settle to settle that debate well Matt said that the bare minimum should be what we saw on Saturday bare minimum bonus point win at home to Wales it was good O'Gara just kind of waited in and went no that was an exceptional bonus point win over Wales and the Six Nations you, don't, you clearly don't understand how difficult that is that was exceptional <laughs> it's the oldest trick in the book to set the bar ridiculously high Yes. as a pundit because then you can slaughter them whenever they don't yeah. reach that unfair high standard good TV yeah if you were though looking at the kind of the post-Schmidt era Jerry, you could say that I think it was it was 700 metres that they carried and the back three carried for about a third of that yeah which it's been a long time since we've watched an Ireland game and been impressed by the backs like particularly the back three were they were brilliant but they were obviously then given the platform or the freedom to be brilliant yeah I know Gav's probably going to disagree with me about this because um, I'm, I'm not that into that much revision to say that Ireland played no rugby for the previous six years you know they, they beat Wales 37-27 here two years ago mm. okay albeit three of the five tries I think were from the pack but still in all like you know Ireland have played good rugby in the past I agree with that <laughs> um, let's not completely revise the last six years but yeah it, I asked Andy Farrell about that the ambition they showed right from the kickoff. And he just said, it's, you know, would that be repeated? Twicken my daily, that's the kind of ambition you want to show from the start. He said, it's purely about decision making. That's where the space was. They identified Nick Tompkins was making his full test debut, that a, a cameo at home to Wales, this was a big step up. Mm. Henshaw was clearly licking his lips. He was they got magnificent. Him, they got to him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just licking his lips, took him on all the time, really punctured that Welsh midfield. George North was a bit all at sea out back out in the right wing, maybe haven't played centre so much lately. So they went wide left an awful lot and it yielded a, a lot of dividends, a lot of ground gained. People giving out about Jacob Stockdale kicking ahead too much, but the kick aheads are often weighted to perfection. That, you know, led to a five-metre scrum that on another day might have been reset and Ireland could have been away even sooner and rewarded for such ambition. But yes, that's he said that's it's about good decision-making on the pitch. So that's where the space was and that's where they went after it. Andrew Conway had a great game. Oh, know, yeah. It's very hard for a right-winger to have a great <laughs> yeah, game yeah. in those kind of conditions yeah. in any kind of Six Nations yeah. game. And just the, the fun, the, just the basics of getting contesting in the air, his tackles around the ankles and then he scored and I finished off a nice try. But... It's just so difficult for a winger to force his way into a game like that. Stockdale kept coming off the wing as well, uh, should be noted. So, But um, I can't get past how Sexton's performance from the... Now mo- you jumped the gun. I was about to ask you, but go well, on, go sorry, on. Do, your, do just, your thing. Just from, from the minute uh, he... Just before Van der Flyers try, he and, like, he, man, he pissed off the entire Welsh pack by making them put their toes behind the line as if he was going to run it. And then <laughs> yeah, he kicked it into right, touch. Yeah, they yeah, mauled, yeah. The, mauled, the ball, <laughs> mauled the ball over and you looked, see, normally, troll, really. normally one winger chases up the kick yeah. and there was five lads laid, yeah. laid out to go, we're going to charge this lad down. Yeah. And it was like a sideline cut. He just curled it over the bar. Ireland had a two-score two lead, but Wales came at them. Like, this was Wales's championship on the line, the Grand Slam champions, and they threw everything at. This was, what, 50, 50 minutes that whole period that 15 minute period mm. there, they came at Ireland with everything mm. and Sexton there was lots of guys who played really well who, who were superb in this period of time but Sexton did so much damage to himself but the, the, the places he kept showing up before Bundy or Van der Flyer could get there at breakdowns and at, at front up hits now they were looking for him and he was like I'm right here and he was putting in front, full front and tackles on hookers and wing forwards um, stuff that um, a 34-year-old will not get to 38 if he keeps doing yeah. but it won the, it was essential for Ireland to win the game because Wales 
in nearly every other time would have found a way of getting a score there. They're unlucky with Hadley Parks and uh, not with his touchdown. And actually, Ireland have been lucky this season so far. There's a curse at the, in the 13 jersey, but they're, that's Stuart Hogg and Hadley Parks twice dropping balls over the line at really key moments. Mm. And then there was that um, that whole foot rush after the, the scrum turnover went Furlong and they celebrated like they'd won the championship, yeah, yeah. the Ireland players. <laughs> which seemed, it was just a huge release. Furlong said after, he goes, we take, a, we take a lot of pride in defending our line. And then the foot rush downfield, which came from a brilliant... First of all, Murray, who was taking much more contact than he normally does, gets the ball to Sexton. Earl's put in a pass, a catch and go that we didn't know was in his locker. I haven't seen it in years at him in centre. And there was a bad pass by Larmer, kick on by Stockdale. And the next person up in down in the Welsh 22 to make the hit on Hadley Parks... Johnny Sexton injured himself doing it, but it was just he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm the best player on the pitch. I'm definitely the captain." And and well, we were all wrong. Because I, I, I turned on the 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 TV just a, a couple of minutes late, and it was as the as Michael D was being introduced to the teams, and uh, Peter O'Mahony was introducing the players, and I was going, "Hang on, what am I missing here? Where where we is all thought Sexton? he was injured, yeah. and it was." Uh, it, it it turned out to be the only part of the day's captaincy that Sexton didn't do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we, we we fret over Johnny Sexton like mother hens. You know what I mean? Know, it's just yeah. whenever he goes down, it takes so long for him to come up. Yeah, get up. That's the it problem. that he'd um, got a massage, a rub down before he put on a strapping, so his leg was too oily. So we had to get the strapping done <laughs> again. That That's it all it was. was. <laughs> like, <laughs> went into overdrive. You we know did, what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. I was I was just going. Ah, it, that's the, not the Johnny other, Sexton. The other funny one out for me was when he shanked this first conversion. This audible shock. <laughs> reverberating around the ground. It it's was the biggest. That, oh, yeah, I have heard on TV. Just, whenever yeah. he does something wrong, it's a shock. But that's he, how good he. That's a measure of how good he is and how reliable and how dependable he is. He likes pump. to have a, cl- a clanger, though, doesn't he? He likes and to have a win every game, that. especially when he has a super game. You know. But the, th- the th- this is the thing, Jerry, and all through, through his career, you know, J- Johnny Sexton has so much credit in the bank. We know everything that he can do, uh, and but this was like this was uh, his best game as a captain. His best captaincy. It's the best third ex- ever game. As I know, a but but like, <laughs> but like was, it's yeah. the, it is the the thing that we didn't know he was for very, certain that he could do. He was very revealing last week. He's Thursday's now become gold at the captain's press conference, mm. and Johnny Sexton holds court on his own, and he's just incredibly honest and mm. well spoken, and spoke speaks very clearly. And he was talking about how he's asked first of all about what I, what he thought of his first Six Nations game as captain. He said, "Yeah, he enjoyed it and it was different, and he was he was busier than usual." But he, you know, maybe he was too nice to the referee. Essentially, is what he's saying. He could have got more referrals to the TMO. And that prompted us all to go down this road with him. And then he spoke even more candidly about how, you know, how he learned from his mistakes of the past, notably the Thoman Park game when he was captain and his dealings with Frank Murphy that day and how he'd spoken mm. to Paul O'Connell and how he should deal with Romain Poit. O'Connell didn't have a good relationship with Romain no, Poit no, at all. That's because he spat on him. He spat on him by accident. <laughs> when he took out his gum shield. So I thought it is, 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 is the way he dealt with Poit was excellent on the day. I thought... The thing I liked most about the performance almost was the belief and the composure. We'd all been prattling on about this team has taken a dent to its confidence. Mm. If it had, Andy Farrell always maintained there was nothing wrong with the team's confidence and certainly it didn't show on Saturday. Even when Wales got them with a sucker punch, Ireland had been so dominant to only lead 5-0 and then Wales come downfield with their first real foray and go 7-5 up. And a team that's anyway brittle Very in terms try. of self-confidence would have really, might have, that, might, that would have been a blow to the solar plexus. Instead, they go straight down the field. Andrew Conway puts a brilliant kick up along the line. I think that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and they, they messed up the line. Well, no, they didn't. They did a perfectly good line but Tomás Williams decides he'll kick the ball before he catches. He drops 
stopped it just after his own try. Oh, yeah, that yeah, gave yeah, Ireland yeah. a platform. And it was something like old Ireland then, the way they turned you know two phases of, of a scrum into a try by Tyke Furlong. That was just vintage Ireland from yeah, the Bund- last few years. Bundy, James Ryan and then, and then Furlong. T- Peter Manny's try, really, because he, he, he shunted him over. Yeah. That's Rob Herring, in fairness to him. Yeah, yeah. So it was a good... Tyke Furlong's really discovered where the try line is recently. But I thought this was just a really composed performance. And even then playing into the wind in the second half was not a big lead. It should have been probably a bigger lead than 12-7. They just went on playing and playing and playing and there was something even again about Old Ireland the way they just turned the screw after surviving that Hadley Parks moment and then getting the scrum. Kilcoin made a really big impact off the bench and they just kept on going and eventually got their bonus point. I thought that was, I thought all, a lot of that composure comes as well from that Murray-Sexton partnership, the way it just drives the team around the pitch, the way it manoeuvres the pitch. I thought Connor's passing was really good. It was. it was a pass from right to left to Jacob Stockdale in those opening exchanges. It was just like a bullet. Yeah. Double or triple skip pass. It's good to see Connor playing so well. And I think I know you think Gav that John Cooney should have been brought on sooner, but I think it's testimony. Not, on, to not in this game, no. Yeah, no, no he was too good. He was very testimony to, to Connor Murray's performance yeah. that he was taken off for 59 minutes in week one and was taken off for 73 minutes yeah. in week two. I think he's going to get better and better as the Six Nations go. Just stick with this this Sexton's relationship with, with referees. How, how important is that? The the captain's verbal relationship with, with a referee it's, it's vital because if you don't have some kind of a say in, in it Alan Wynne Jones will run the game for you will mm. will will be will referee the match there was a, a moment CJ Stander made a turnover that was very similar to the ex- yeah. turnover he made against Scotland to win the game last week except better because he ripped the ball clean out and Poit whether he gave it for that or an infringement earlier gave a penalty and that led to the well scrum down that was the Ireland turnover scrum penalty but just before that Sexton went over and he goes can I ask to- you? Totally disagreed yes. with, with the decision yeah. making. And yeah. Pot was a bit unsure of himself there. Yeah. He kind of saw CJ Stanley. He goes, Oh, if I got this wrong. But he, so Pot's uh, explanation wasn't great. And but Sex- Johnny patiently <clears throat> waited for him to he, give yeah, the yeah. explanation. Yeah. And then he, and then said, Can he, I make a point? Yeah, he please? agreed with him. Yeah. Yeah. He, goes, yes. he goes, Fair enough. Yeah. Can, can I, I make a point? Yeah. Can I say one thing? Can I say one thing? Yeah. People who are not listening are still going bananas on social media going, Well, this guy shut up. And you don't realise that no. what he's saying is, He goes, just so you know there. He said They're it, latching. Yeah, his, Can we his, go over them? Yeah. He over, over them. them. And, and Pot was like, I'd say Pot's head was like, oh, I got this wrong. He's got me, yeah. And he was over, like he was at because any, any, any opportunity to give the scrum penalty then he was gonna, you know. Because the, the, I was listening to that and I was thinking back to a game where Sexton had been, I can't remember if it was for Leinster or for Ireland, but he had become de facto captain in the midst of a game. Somebody in Australia had gone last, off. In Australia in 2018. Is this the one where... where I know you where, hate me. Where, yeah. <laughs> he says to the ref, I know you hate me, but you have to talk to me. That was and the, the last play of the game went to a TMO referral and went back in the referee and Johnny knew the laws out straight away yeah. and, he, and the, 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 the referee called over the two captains and Johnny turns to the teammates and gives a clenched fist before anybody else in the ground knew that the game was over because he'd known the referee's explanation he was yeah. about to say game over right, Ireland have right. won he's that, that, that command of the laws so Johnny knows his rugby and he knows his laws mm. my, my, if you want to know how important a captain is probably the best captain with building relationship with referees in terms of being very polite but always getting a referral when he needed to or whatever it was Sam Warburton it was one of the main reasons Warren Gatlin picked him as captain on two Lions tours think back to the third test against New Zealand it's Sam Warburton's manner that gets that last penalty referred to the TMO. It's Sam Warburton's manner with the referees and the officials. That was Robin Poitier. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, got, yeah. that got a draw on that and a draw on series. Otherwise, New Zealand probably win that series. That's and my favourite line of Saturday. My, the best line of the day for me was in the second half when Romain Poitier goes up to one of the Irish players and says, where's Johnny? 
That's right. He said it was Conor Murray. It was to Conor Murray. Yeah. Because it was two he different positions. He built up such a relationship yeah. with Johnny but, at that stage but that Jerry, he wanted to talk to Johnny. Jerry, do you know where he was? Because yeah. it was two penalties. Yeah. And you can and have John, a penalty here, a penalty there. And Johnny and wanted the one over. No, Johnny was already at the spot. Standing, standing, yeah. waiting, <laughs> waiting, <laughs> waiting on Panzer. Come to me. Let's go. Let's have this. And that was when he told the Wales players to get back. That's when he got him. That was that lined up for a few late digs. I thought it was a reflection of the relationship that Johnny had built with Romain Poit over the first 70 minutes of the game. Did he actually go? Where's Johnny? Yeah. Like that cartoon mm. where they're looking at that character in the bottom of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Johnny? Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. A, is it Jacko Piper in Twickenham though? Is it? Is that the next ref? I, I, I could be wrong, but I. Oh, like be, oh, 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 better also. Right. Yeah. Oh, better off. But the if thing that's, is, if that's yeah, the ref, but, the, you know? but the thing is, all the all the James Ryan talk is is, is gone now. Johnny is the is the captain. There's no getting around you that. Know what? I, I interviewed James Ryan last week, and uh, it's brilliant the way he's come on with the media, and he's become so much more relaxed. I remember my first interview I ever did with him was back in his under twenty captaincy days, and it was just every answer was pretty cryptic and short and he just didn't particularly enjoy it. He was very wary of the media. Johnny's very relaxed with the media and that's part of the gig as you know the public persona and James isn't quite ready for that yet although he has improved immeasurably and why not wait another couple of years let him learn a bit more um, and give this gig to Johnny. I think it's you're right. That nobody's even mentioned that this anymore. And Johnny's proven himself to be a very good captain. You make your best player the captain, and we all thought James Ryan's going to be the best player. Mm. He's not. Johnny Sexton's still the best player. Still it's the, the most. Inf- still the most the influential of the player. Um, no question. Let's mm. move on to what's coming up next uh, in fortnight. The England game. England played Scotland. Can we actually judge anything from the England game where the, the conditions that bad? And or was the most interesting thing Curry playing at number eight? Was that the most? Because it worked. Or, no, it didn't or work. can we actually take anything from that game because the conditions were just so ridiculous? It didn't work previously in France where, where it was probably tougher for it to do, you know. Um, no, I don't think you can take much from that game just because of the way, because of the conditions and um, all that. And Scotland are clearly in a terrible place. Finn Russell has come out and given his interview about basically it's me or Townsend situation in the Sunday Times there yesterday. Yeah, he... Uh, so complained about times as I only had, I only had three had points had and I went to bed at half 11 <laughs> I left at half 11 not 12 and it's not the players yeah, he, he's he's messed up that That's camp what, I, he's messed I, up morale when I get home having had, up having had, having Finn had Russell five points I always say yeah, yeah, I thought three. it was a terrible thing to do for the Scotland team and he's basically said get rid of uh, Gregor Townsend, if you want to see me back, he's he's that's that's what he's said. That's what he's created. He's not remotely contrived to having let his country and his teammates down. I mean, I would have thought that if he was watching that first game against Ireland, I think I might have said this last week. Bit of a joker, isn't he? Ten visits to the twenty-two. It was tailor-made for Finn Russell. No Scottish out half will ever have such an opportunity to impose himself in a game. He would never have had such attacking platforms and all his visits to Dublin with Scotland before he must have been sitting at home in Paris wondering, shoot, I've messed up here. I should be there. And sure, now he, he goes wasn't. and doubles down. I mean, I don't. I feel sorry for the Scots because what they've done is they primed Ireland for the visit of Wales. I always thought that was going to stand to Ireland. The fact they were taken through such a tough game, whereas Wales had a romp against a very poor Italian side, and so proved. I fear though they might well have given England a bit of a leg up here because Scots could conceivably un, be on two wins. They've had enough territory and enough chances to have won both games, particularly if they'd had a commanding, dominating out half. Again, I thought there were times when they were close to the English line when Adam Asins just was, he just knew he wasn't going to be taking part. He was so deep in the pocket. Mm. They weren't looking for a drop goal. It was just bang, bang, bang through the boards. It's amazingly how much Scotland have narrowed up. Now, I know conditions were a big factor and I agree with you, Pat, it's very much a one-off game. But I do think England will get an awful lot of satisfaction out of that win. To go to Scotland, 
to experience the bile and the hatred and everything else that supposedly was around this fixture, to come through such a torrid test in such foul conditions. Could you imagine what the away dressing room was like in the immediate aftermath of that game? That's going to do them wonders, I would have thought. So I think that's what you can take from the game. And he's clearly going to persist with Curry at eight. And their back row went a long way towards winning that game in many ways. Shane Horgan said a great line on TV. He goes, on Andy Farrell, Noam Farrell, coach against captain now, he goes, his success depends on the failure of his son and his son's success depends on the failure of his father. Like, again, and anyway, look, it doesn't matter. Family's more important sure. than anything else. But <clears throat> it was just a, it's, it's kind of, it's unavoidable for the next two weeks, these two. Um, and they will straight bat it every time. Oh, they won't give it. No doubt about it. I mean, he was asked by an English journalist correctly. So are you looking forward to coming back to Twickenham as the head coach for the first time? And whether it's, Speaking the truth or not, I would actually believe him. He said, I actually haven't thought about that. <laughs> you know, and that's what he said. And, and uh, the one you feel sorry for is Colling every time they come up against each other. Who does she side with? <laughs> it, it's it's a, like Aidan O'Brien, as long as they all get home safe. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to know where England are, just to go back to what your, your point was, because they were atrocious in France and whether the, the wheels tend to fall off or can fall off Eddie Jones's teams every couple atrocious of years. Atrocious in France is in France yeah. is harsh oh. is it not they they, 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 won, they got there. a bonus point out of yeah. it okay they got a bonus two brilliant individual tries mm. they, they got sorted out up front physically wise they'll that won't be a problem but they're 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 looking more like the 2018 version of themselves than they are the 2019 version mm. Ireland Ian Henderson was talking to him after the game and we were like do you remember last time you went to Twickenham and he goes yeah you remember when you get 50 points put on you and your line out's a shambles and you're the second row you know <laughs> and so they were like triple crowns are not something that's going to be part of our narrative what's going to be part of our narrative is is the physicality that mm. was done to us the last time and not making and there's a lot of there's also there's a lot of technical mistakes in getting that 50 points put in them last August mm. so um, there's there's lots to unpack from it yeah that, that 2018 season that England had it's the only time in the last decade they finished outside the top two Right. you finish above England you generally win the Six Nations and I still think that applies this is their they're coming back to Twickenham for the first time in this competition that's going to be a huge lift for them as well um, Arnhem won Grand Slam there two years ago memorably on St. Patrick's Day but I think I'm right in saying they've lost five of their last six visits to Twickenham it's a bloody hard place to win for waysides. It's a bloody terrible place to lose. <laughs> it's the worst, <laughs> yeah, thing, worst, yeah. worst place to lose. Yeah, yeah. Best you place to walk win. out past them all to get around to the media centre. <laughs> Swing low. Oh, oh man, they stick it right it's, in your face. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And the other interesting one then as well is that weekend is France v, mm. v Wales. We're going to find out or is this the real French deal? By the same token, England They were beautiful home. yesterday, weren't they? Just seen Yeah, just the little bits yes. and pieces when yeah. they, your right half came on and it looked pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Entomac had an awful day with the kicking tee, but gee, that, that lovely strike move that he scored his try off, real legs on him, real quick. They've got a lot of talent, the French, but this is their first away game. Mm. It's all very, very well and good doing in front of, you know, 60,000 French fans all seeing the Marseillaise. That's great, but this this is Wales away where I think they've lost four times in a row. I wouldn't be surprised if Wales won that game. I think Wales are still a strong side and there's still four teams in the mix for this winning this title. I thought Ireland would get would, would be really struggling for bodies, but they actually came out okay. Henshaw had a has and Saxon both have to go through return to play protocols, but otherwise the two week break, so it's not I think they a might might have a, a pretty good team. Uh-huh. The interesting one is they bring do they bring Caelan Doris back in? That's their one option, and maybe they have a look at the loose head position as well. I thought coined it very well when he came on, but Caelan Doris, you'd imagine, comes back into the mix. But I, it's I hope very so, hard but to get into that starting how do you that drop back row. Yeah, or Stander. I thought Omani was really good at the weekend. We will at have. His best. We'll have a clearer picture on that next Monday mm-hmm. when you two are here telling us all about it. The National Leagues are 
continuing apace uh, and even in the stormiest weather, even uh, and and surviving, like uh, like like green shoots fighting their way up through the tundra. Uh, the Kerry Tyrone game survived yesterday, moved from Uma to Eden Dork. Uh, and uh, our man, the Sherpa from uh, from deepest Wicklow, uh, Ian O'Reardon, made it up to Eden Dork. How was it for you? Yeah, thankfully I was used to driving in such conditions um, over the Wicklow Gap and places like that. But it was, it was, it was pretty bad. We we're driving up the M1 this morning and I was convinced, I'm sorry, yesterday morning I should say, and I was convinced there's no way this game is going to happen mm. in, in Omar. Because we all know Omar's actually built on, on marshland, so it's not the most drainage, yes. best drainage in, in the world. So yeah, moved to Eden Dork and I have to confess I'd never heard of the place. I, mean, I had vague memories of Noel Morgan, of being Noel Morgan, the Tyrone mm. Goalkeepers Club, but I've certainly never been there. And uh, I pulled into a petrol station on the M1 to, to sort of check where it was on the map and I bumped into Brendan O'Brien at the examiner and he'd never heard of it either but we, we, you we were Southerners you, God yeah. almighty it's, it's not Angola it's just a, it's a village in Tyrone like. <laughs> well, having, having established it was closer it's not to even Dublin, in Europe this is, the, this is the Sinn Féin surge explained you people <laughs> <laughs> well you might pardon me it's no longer in Europe so that's why I wasn't appearing on my Google map but uh, anyway we got there eventually and in fairness to the club I mean it was a fine facility and I think, I think everyone deserves a bit of praise there for turning it around in such short notice but by the way there was no plan B from Croke Park this was all done on the the behest of the Tyrone County Board. So it kind of raises that question again about fixtures this time of the year and that. But no, the game went ahead. And I mean, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't the worst conditions in the world. Um, but uh, I think, I think we we're all kind of glad having made the trip up. And certainly, certainly the Kerry team who travelled up on a Saturday it would have been a long way home from nowhere if the game hadn't happened. Yeah, because especially the, the Kerry, I remember two years ago, uh, were uh, playing Monaghan in Inneskeen. And it, I think it got called off a half an hour beforehand because of snow and they had to turn back and go all the way back down to Kerry. So, no, fair play to the people of Tyrone for making it happen. Uh, you're, uh, presumably then, um, the press press facilities were top of the range for you? Well, in fairness, they did, they did bring in a, a small little a truck for, for certain members of the media um, because I believe Eden Dork is actually the kind of the engineering capital of Tyrone. So sure. They had a few trucks at hand, but we didn't fit into that. So we kind of huddled behind what you might call the, I suppose, the club end, the clubhouse end. So we were directly behind the goalpost, where there was, in fairness, some, some nice shelter. So kind of Conor Hulahan style of reporting, where you stand exactly. behind the goal mount and slightly different perspective. So it certainly added a new dimension to the game. And, um, and as, you know, obviously the Kerry-Tyrone rivalry has been well known at the last decade or so. And, um, but there certainly wasn't the most exhilarating of games. I mean, low scoring, obviously. There was no goals, 14-13 in the end. Tyrone hung on by a point. Um, a few talking points out of it. I mean, obviously the arrival of Cahill McShane back in the Tyrone panel and the dismissal of, of David Clifford. But well, hang on, was, hang on, Ian. The only reason I bring up uh, where, where the press facilities were was because it gave you the perfect perspective on David Clifford sending off. I only saw what was on TV or what was uh, the sort of clips that went around uh, online, but uh, you were standing like 20 yards from it, so you can take well, us through it. We were, well this was the second half of the game obviously, so Kerry, so Kerry were playing into that into that club end as they say, so yeah we, we saw quite 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 vividly, it's just a very brief timeline, and this was the last, what was it, about 66 minutes of the game, and Clifford had been booked towards the end of the first half, and to the best of our knowledge this, this was for, he was having a go, he was just mentioning to the referee that Noel Morgan was delaying his kickouts because they were actually playing into the wind at that stage and they were trying to delay his time as much as possible. So he was booked after 30 minutes and the 66 minutes, Kerry were awarded a free 
And it looked like Clifford was making his way up to either take the free or maybe cleared away for Shawnee O'Shea. And suddenly it was, um, it was a Tyrone replacement, Ben McDonald, who'd just been on the field about five minutes. He'd actually come on for Tyrone midfielder. So anyway, he makes his way over to, to, to David Clifford and quite clearly seemed to grab him by the, by the, by the, by the, around the neck. And then he gets him into a headlock, pulls him down to the ground. And I'm looking at this going, well, this is, this is not looking good for the Tyrone player. This is, this is a, whatever about a yellow card. looked to me like a black card. Um, the referee, meanwhile, Fergal Kelly was down the other end of the field, around midfield, dishing out a black card to, uh, to the Tyrone captain, Ronan McNamee, and, and Kerry Jack Barry. So it was after that that he was called over by his umpire, who we were all going was convinced was going to say that Ben McDonald had been, had been wrestled and had wrestled David Clifford to the ground and probably should get a black or a yellow. Instead, he dishes out uh, two yellow cards, and lo and behold, that's David Clifford's game over. And you can see by his reaction, now, whether it was on television or whether he were there in person, I mean, David Clifford is a usually pretty level-headed guy, but you don't have to be, um, he didn't have to have an MA in ventriloquism to understand what he was saying to the referee. <laughs> he, was, he was royally pissed off. And I think it's, it's a classic example of where sometimes, I mean, we've seen cases in the past where players have had a go, obviously, at star players like David Clifford. We saw Johnny Cooper hanging out of him like a monkey in the All-Ireland final last year. And in fairness, he got himself sent off. But this, this seemed to be a different kind of a case where he tried to, he tried to draw Clifford into, into the foul or into the confrontation and it clearly worked, and it got sent off. And um, I think it does raise the question again about what, what sort of power umpires have, and if the referee didn't see it, and in such a critical decision like this, um, is, is it enough evidence to go on? Um, especially the fact that, and this, this is, a, again, digging up old traditions of the GA, there seems to be a kind of a connection with umpires when it comes to being friends or family members. So maybe, maybe the umpire, or the referee, I should say, kind of feels, well, I have to trust these guys because they're my mates, kind of thing. So I don't know. It just, it just seems to be, for all the talk of, trying to improve the game. This is a situation that we've seen so many times before and I'm not saying it's going to it cost Kerry the game, although the next free that was taken, that free that was taken actually by Sean O'Shea, he actually missed that free. Mm. Um, you think he scored the next free to bring it back to a point. But that last t- 10 or 11 minutes of the game where the key player you want on the field looking for that equaliser is, is not there. Um, I, I think it's fair to say it, it certainly cost Kerry a point, yeah. And Ian, by your by your estimation, Clifford was entirely blameless here, was he? Because I wasn't so sure because, I, I, as I say, I didn't see it all from his germination to to the, the, the cards coming out. But, like, he, it, it wasn't as if there was the pair of the minute. Well, to, to, from what I understand, Malachi, that's what I saw, yes. I mean, like, I can't say that maybe there, was, maybe there was something said beforehand. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe there was something said on, on Clifford's behalf. But in terms of the physical contact, and you could see from the minute, from the minute Ben McDonald laid his hands on, on Clifford, and once he got him into the headlock, I mean, Clifford put his, hand, put his hands out. He was dragged to the ground. And by the way, that was actually a, quite a soft part of the field. So, I mean, you know, if anything, he should have been trying to protect himself. But he was trying to throw his hands out and say, look, I am innocent here, okay? I'm not doing anything here. And um, whatever, whatever. Obviously, the umpire saw something completely different. So yeah, I mean, to answer your question, to the best of my knowledge, uh, I didn't see anything to suggest that uh, that David Clifford deserved that, that second yellow card. It's the worst kind of refereeing. It's yeah. the kind of refereeing that we absolutely hate. It's the mm-hmm. kind of refereeing where it goes, "Oh, look, there seems to be two at the minute. I'll book both of them, even if somebody." I have a wee bit of sympathy blames. for the ref if he's at the other end of the pitch. Like he has to go on what he's being told. But maybe that explains why David Clifford was so angry with the umpires. Mm. Like, what did they say? Did mm. the umpires say to the referee, "Oh, there was two at the minute"? Because mm. you're right. Then the umpires are to blame. But that's the referee's team. Yeah. Like, they're the, those umpires aren't strangers to the referee. No. They probably went home in the same car together. Yeah. Like, what conversation were they having? And it is the second game in a row that David Clifford has clearly been... Well, look, David Clifford has been targeted all his life yes. since he was 17 or yeah. 18. And as Ian said, he's always been very, very calm at dealing with it. 
But like he needs he also needs protection mm. in situations like this. You're not entirely convinced, are you? You've been watching too much Ulster football. Uh, no, 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 I am. I, 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 it, all, I'm, all I was saying to you before we started talking here was that I didn't see all of it. And I know, like I know the both of you are going on about how David Clifford is, is, is usually very calm in these situations. Clifford is bowled enough now. He, he, uh, and now Ian was standing 20 yards from it. Ian saw it all happen. So that's fine by me. I fully take it on board. Clifford was clearly wronged here. But, you know, he is not an angel and, and has never been. And I think that's what's going to make him one of the greats. The, 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 the sort of the lack of or, or the, the refusal to be pushed around. He is not that guy and he will stand up for himself. But like Ian saw this from, from start to finish. And, well, I, and, and I certainly accept Malik. Yeah, I mean, of course, he's no, he's no innocent kid at all here. But I mm-hmm. suppose if you, look at, if you look at his kind of body language of that game, I mean, he's the captain of the team. He seems to be taking responsibility. And mm-hmm. it clearly hurt him. I mean, it just clearly hurt him and upset him in a big way for that to happen. And I think, yeah, for sure, there'll be days where David Clifford will, will, uh, delve into that whatever whatever term is the dark arts but it does it, it, it was a clearly now I'm not saying this is a deliberate tactic by Tyrone and Mickey Hart to say right let's let, let, let bring on the Ben <laughs> McDonald guy okay he's, he's, a, he's got a clean, clean sheet against him um, we know David Clifford has booked it's a one point game it's a two point game carrier carrier like hovering around the goal mouth what can we do to get take this player out I mean that and that seems to be exactly what happened and you know I mean in fairness to Peter Keane the Kerry manager was as diplomatic as you can possibly get afterwards saying look you know, we kind of explained the events to him, and in that typical Kerry, Kerry fashion, he answered the question with a question saying, "Well, that's that what you saw." And um, but maybe, maybe, maybe the managers need to stand up more for the players too. But maybe, maybe Keane should have should have let rip a little bit and say, "Look, we need more protection for my for my players." But but he didn't. But that's not really his style. I mean, Peter Keane doesn't go down that road, and I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that. But it was, it was a disappointing end. I mean, here we are again, another game. And by the way, as, as Kerry Tyrone games go, this wasn't this wasn't a dirty game by any means. I mean, okay, there's a few. I've been quite a few yellow cards, and Peter Harder got sent off in two yellow cards beforehand. And I'd certainly say that the first of his yellow cards was 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 was, was borderline enough. So it certainly wasn't a dirty game. Um, but when you still have talking about decisions, or whether it's umpires or referees, and then and then you throw in the fact that it was I think seven minutes of out of time. Or, and again, when that when that came up, we were like, where did the seven minutes come from? And you would have, you would have thought maybe it was three or four. There was very few stoppages in that game. So. Here we are again, another Monday morning. We're talking about time issues. We're talking about refereeing. So it uh, seems to be uh, business as usual in, in the league anyway. Malachy, uh, Colin McShane returned for mm. Tyrone yesterday having have his, had his dalliance with, uh, the, with Adelaide, the Adelaide Crows, I think it was. He was offered a contract down there, uh, turned it down, and there was an interesting press conference last week where our press opportunity yeah, is supposed to call it, yeah. where uh, there was a photo op which included Mickey Hart in it because uh, Colin McShane is now going to be employed by Keystone. And like, in, there's a proud history in the GA of people possibly, shall we say, getting jobs because of who they are sure. and because they're famous. I yes. mean, I grew up on a farm in Tipperary and I guarantee you that basically every salesman that came through the, the door <laughs> had a connection with the Tipperary yeah. hurlers. Uh, whether he was trying to t- sell machinery or whatever, yeah. that's that's where he came from. This thing last week, it, a lot of people said it was along those lines, but it felt a bit different, didn't it? It was weird. It was weird. It it felt weird, like mm. like uh, like whatever about uh, like like McShane was being shown off as a new signing mm. for a steel company. Uh, like to my knowledge. Uh, he's a, he's he's a qualified teacher. He went to St Mary's in in Belfast. Uh, he is not. 
uh, an architect or a steel worker or he has no, you know, okay, so he's got presumably a sales job. Fine. As you say, long and proud history of it. I can't, I have no memory, and Ian may, but I have no memory ever of a company, doesn't matter what company, uh, essentially showing off their new signing uh, with the with the county manager, with Mickey Hart or, 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 or an inter-county manager standing side by side, essentially saying, like, you, you, you know, you don't ha- have to be an expert in communications to, to work out what is being said here. It is, uh, this guy was about to get paid to play for the Adelaide Crows, and now he's getting paid to sell steel or whatever it is he's going to be selling. Uh, and... We, the steel company and the intercounty manager, have set up this deal, yeah. and it is just yeah. I I've never seen it put like that before, and like I feel a wee bit sorry for Carl McShane in the middle of this. Like I I I I got a text from <laughs> from somebody I know in the north uh, uh, when it happened, saying you know. Uh, McShane is going to find himself in November staring out at grey skies, trying looking at the targets he has to make for the end of the month going, what did I do here? How did this happen to me? And who was I keeping happy here? Uh, and and the person that he seems to be keeping happy is Mickey Hart. Like Mickey Hart seems to have, because he's inserted himself along in this photograph, you know, has is sort of, I don't know if he's taking credit for it. I don't know if if he's sort of saying, well, I'm beholden to the people of Keystone here. They own a bit of me because I've kept my star player, or, you know, the championship top scorer from last year. It all felt a wee bit weird, mm. didn't it? Like, like, I don't know if it's necessarily a terrible thing. I don't know if it's necessarily, if it's setting a precedent, whatever it's doing, but it, it doesn't feel great. Well, you are now inferring a few things there. Colin McShane might be absolutely delighted with his uh, change in career. We Maybe. don't, we don't really know. Yeah. But, but Ian, just to bring you in on this, like the subtext of of the, the photo opportunity did, and because we knew what was going on with McShane and the possible of, possibility of moving to Australia, it did seem a little bit like, oh look, we we've saved Colin McShane for the people of Tyrone here. Yeah, but it kind of reminded me of one of the old scenes in Jerry Maguire where he's trying to get the endorsement deal to one of his players and he keeps thinking that line, show me the money. And it did, it did kind of a slight echoes of that. And, and for sure, as you say, Malik, just the whole, the whole dynamics of it um, was, was, was slightly, slightly unsettling, I suppose. And especially given the backdrop. And we know how outspoken Mickey Hart was and we know how uh, that, that, you know, there's that element of Toronto would do anything to keep him here. And uh, it was funny though, because we weren't 100% sure whether he was going to be on the panel or not yesterday. And then he was obviously named, and they ran onto the field just as the wind and the rain was probably at its maximum. And <laughs> there was a kind of horizontal rain blowing into her face. And we're like, is that Colin McShane? And then someone looked up Adelaide on the weather map, and it was like 35 degrees in here. So, <laughs> you know, maybe he might have had brief second thoughts in that moment. But um, look, he came on in the second half, scored a free, didn't set the game on fire, but he's. He's back there, and I suppose, I mean, he is such a crucial player for, for Tyrone because he has that physical element up, up front. Um, but it is, it, I mean, I wonder what, what Crow Park might be looking at this, kind of going, hmm, because, I mean, they've, 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 they've had certain things to say on this matter before in terms of endorsements and that. But, uh, um, but by the way, this happens in all sports. Oh, well. yeah. I've, I've seen it across 
athletics, cycling, swimming. I mean, a lot of Olympic athletes have, have not, not benefited specifically in terms of careers, but you see how sometimes athletes, when they retire especially, are given a little bit more of a heads up when it comes to certain certain jobs. But um, yeah, it's a strange one, Keystone. But look, he's, he's, he's clearly here now. And um, I think I think it goes back to the fact that was he ever really going to Australia? Was it mm. was it was it kind of maybe some some sort of standoff of of sorts? Um, who knows? But as you say, we'll, we'll find out longer term how long he'll actually stay in that company. Yeah, I do, and I'm not. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing uh, because you know, in a, in a way, you, you could say, well, look, fair play to them for putting this out mm. in the open. The, the the thing that, as you say, has been happening from time immemorial. Uh, Maybe you know. Maybe it's maybe it's an openness thing. Maybe it's a here. Here's how the world works. Here's how. Here's here's what the future is for a game that is an amateur sport trying to stave off professionalism. Maybe this is how this is what the future is. And if it is, you know, maybe Cal McShane is a, is a groundbreaker in sort of opening this this out. Yeah. But um, it's uh, it was just it's it. I don't remember that happening before. I, and on such a blatant level, you know. Fair play to Keystone's PR. Go on, Keystone. They, they, they were after getting themselves. I'd never heard of them never. Up until last week. On a more positive note to finish, though, when you look at the league games across all divisions yesterday, and especially Division 1, I mean, the four games in Division 1, yeah. a combined winning margin of three points. I mean, you had your draw up in Crow Park on Saturday night, which is, you still don't know how Dublin... Which we're not sports, talking about. You know, and you have, you know, the three... The three other games, there's, there's a one point, there's a one point margin. So Division One is it's, it's, it's incredibly competitive this year, absolutely incredible. I mean, they're, they're carrying out one win, one loss, one draw. I mean, they're, they're by no means even safe as they as they reach kind of the halfway point. Mm-hmm. So at, le- at least the league is being competitive in that sense, and actually being super competitive. And it goes back to the old argument: imagine these games were being played at the at the height of summer on a weekly basis, and what what better value we'd all be getting for for our money? Indeed. Well, that's for another week. You know, uh, thanks a million for that. Pleasure as always. Uh, thank you to Gav and Jerry who were in earlier talking the rugby. Thank you to you, Pat. Thanks, Matt. Thank you to Declan behind the desk, whose time we are impinging on because he has a world of politics podcast to be putting out. And if anybody has any interest in politics uh, and uh, hasn't just listened to us for a release from it all, uh, I have to say that the politics podcasts in the Irish Times over the course of the election have been phenomenal. Uh, and I, I have no reason to say that other than my admiration for the work that these people have done. So thank you very much to Declan for uh, taking time for to allow us in here. And we will talk to everybody next week. Take it easy. Cheers.